Hello, welcome to The F Word. Uh, the F Word, of course, stands for front end to the wonderful world of web development, browsers, web standards, and everything in between. I'm Bruce Lawson, coming to you from Birmingham in the United Kingdom. I'm Vadim Akiev from St. Petersburg, Russia. Uh, this is episode two. Since episode one, we've launched the website. So what is the URL, Vadim? This is f-word.dev. f-word.dev. Be there or be square, because there's show notes with links to the things we're mentioning in the show. Of course, there's a transcript, because we're good web citizens and we believe in accessibility and links to all the different places where you can download or stream the podcast, including good old marvellous, old-fashioned, but still beautiful RSS. Hooray! Yep, and also, please, please forgive us. This site is uh, mobile only. Well, it's it looks okay on desktop, but uh, we started from mobile and then we're, we're planning to develop it further. So it would look beautiful on uh, tablets and desktop and everything else. But we thought that it's MVC or how they call it in the startup world. Minimum viable product, MVP, I believe. MVP, right. So I'm not a startupper, whatever. No, MVC is model view controller. I think you're... Basically, folks, he's the geek and I'm the man who's making millions from this podcast. Okay, let's go to the, f- the first topics. Well, uh, it's what's new in Chrome 81, because Chrome have uh, re-established their normal release cycle, though I believe they're going to miss out Chrome 82 and jump straight to 83, something like that. But... Uh, even given the worldwide quarantine and lockdown, your chums at Google are churning away making their browser. And there's lots of interesting things in 81. The most interesting for me, I think, is the badging API. You know what that is, Vadas? Yeah, basically, you can you can put a little red icon with a number on your application icon. Uh, so it's mostly relevant to mobile platforms, but it's also available on desktop when you install your application as PWA. Yes, because of course, PWA isn't only for mobile, although I think that was the initial use case, but you can install a PWA into the desktop operating systems as well, uh, using Chrome as your browser or a Chromium-based browser. But what what interests me is that um, when PWAs were becoming in vogue, um, there was a lot of interest in push notifications. Now, I don't know about you, Vadim, but uh, I never let a website send me a push notification because they're just so intrusive. But the, the badging API allows you to give like an indicator, maybe it's unread emails, maybe it's uh, telling you that something, a long-running process that your PWA has been doing has finished. You know, maybe it's converting a video or uploading an image, but these things don't interrupt you in the same way that a push notification does. It, It just sits there glowing red to tell you that something's happened, but not actually interrupting your workflow or making a beep while you're trying to watch the TV. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think they are also uh, integrated into your operating system well. You don't even have a choice as a web developer to change them. And it's a good thing, I think. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Basically, it will use whatever your operating system uses. So, for example, an Android, you just get um, a red dot. You don't get the opportunity to put any any text in there. But the the wider story behind this is what the Alex Russell, the sinister mastermind at Google and a good friend to Web, uh, calls Project Fugu, which is basically folks at Google identifying gaps where PWAs and websites can't do things that native apps can do and trying to fill those gaps. And this tight integration with the badging mechanism in the operating system has been a gap, as well as things like web Bluetooth, uh, web USB even, web MIDI, and they're making APIs and then origin trialing them to close those gaps so that there's an ever-decreasing list of reasons why you would automatically try to make a native app these days. And as, as champions of the web, I think you and I will both be happy about that. Yeah, I actually tried, uh, you would be surprised probably, but I tried Web MIDI uh, last year. Uh-huh. I was really surprised to figure out that it's actually useful. I mean, uh, <laughs> it sounds like something like, for hardcore musicians or someone who's trying to do something related to music, but I'm, I'm not a musician myself, but I have I have a hobby. Once in a while, I play, I play drums. So I have this uh, drum pad, electronic one. Uh, so uh, basically, you can connect it to computer and uh, or your iPad, for example, and connect it to your garage band or applications like that. So you would play with uh, sticks, just like you would do on regular uh, drums, but then it would send MIDI note to your software and it would make a sound. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a note, but the level of loudness and everything, so it's very accurate. So I went to manufacturer website looking for an app to control my drum pad and I realized that they offer a web application for Chrome. So I connected my device to laptop and then I opened Chrome and I configured it via browser, via web media. And I was really surprised to see something uh, not in uh, not on stage of a conference, not in a not in a some silly demo with some Arduino nonsense, but I, in actual li- in actual life, you know, mm-hmm. I was really really surprised. So I, I'll probably give you a link to this uh, drum pad. Yeah, please do. Interesting that you say you're not a musician, but you play drums as as a guitar <laughs> as a guitarist and a vocalist. Yeah, I absolutely concur. <laughs> it's that it's that whole joke what do you call an animal that hangs around musicians a drummer yeah i've been expecting this joke from you <laughs> <laughs> and, and sorry to our old friend chris chris mills as well who oh, yeah. is uh, a marvelous drummer and uh talking of chris mills he wrote an article about firefox 75 and their ambitions for april that was very smooth bruce like sliding from chrome to firefox via chris mills and oh yeah (laughs) thank you Anyway, Chris Mills uh, did wrote this piece uh, at Mozilla Hacks blog mentioning Firefox 75. So basically, the main thing he discusses is uh, developer tools additions they introduced in Firefox 75 and uh, some of new web platform features as well. 
So I'm not going to go through dev tools in Firefox. They are just great. So mm-hmm. if you haven't haven't used uh, the ones that related to CSS, you're missing a lot. Mm-hmm. They're very good for uh, debugging uh, fonts and uh, flags and grid and things like that related to layout. So they are way ahead of Chrome and other browsers in this area. But speaking of web platform updates, they finally introduced uh, loading lady lazy up loading lady. Loading lady. They finally introduced this loading lazy attribute. It's the way to load your images, not immediately while the rest of the page is rendering, but once user gets closer to this image, not only IMG element, but also iframe. So, uh, but it's it's implemented in Chrome only. So in Firefox case, it's only for IMGs, which covers the most of the use cases, I believe. Yeah, and to be fair, it hasn't actually been standardized in Chrome yet, so Firefox are waiting until the spec settles before they implement it for iframe. But it's generally a good thing. Again, it's a nice progressive enhancement. If your browser doesn't understand loading equals lazy, it just ignores it, and the default is is eager. So I'll load it immediately. And uh, with my English teacher hat on, because I used to be an English teacher, it annoys me because the antonym of lazy is not eager. The opposite of lazy is diligent. So it should be <laughs> loading equals lazy, loading equals diligent, honestly. <laughs> well, um, it would be easier for me with uh, lazy and eager because I'm not a, a native English speaker. So I'm sorry, Bruce. Well, yes. I mean, the, that, that ship sailed anyway when uh, apparently for the video API, the uh, the past tense of seek is seeked when it is, oh. of course, it is, of course, in English, sought. So, yeah, that's why I'm giving up on HTML now. <laughs> anyway, uh, but this loading lazy behavior, if you didn't know, uh, it's different from browser to browser. I saw some uh, graphics uh, showing how it's how exactly it's different. I'm not sure I, I got the idea, but basically I wouldn't expect the, the uh, exactly the same behavior from, from Chrome and Firefox in this case. And uh, Safari is still behind on this on this feature. So Really? Safari? Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? So loading lazy is, a, is an enhancement. Please use it and... Uh, Use, use it wisely. I wouldn't put it everywhere. I would try to optimize the loading uh, so it would work uh, better for end users. Yeah. And uh, what I like about it as well is it's one of those things where the browsers are free to apply their own heuristics. So browser might, for example, if it notices it's got a really fast connection, it might disregard you saying loading equals lazy and, and load it anyway because it can. Again, it's one of those things where you are giving, you as a developer are giving the browser a hint as to what you deem important or not, but it is free to make its decisions based upon what it knows of the device, the current network capabilities, etc. And and I like these kind of things because developers, we, we are giving hints to the browser rather than commanding the browser. It, it, the browser is a user agent and it works for the user, not for the developer. Yeah, I really like what is happening between ours and browsers. Like we're giving uh, hints to each other. So browsers tell like that user prefers reduced motion. Mm-hmm. And we're hinting browser that we're, we want this image to be loaded lazy. We're not trying to implement something 
and hide it from browser. So browser now have an idea that something's happening and that this is the this is developer's intention. So they could work around it. Again, if it's a proxy browser, if you're on mid-road connection, they can just lazy load everything without even asking you. So there are some interventions in browsers that do terrible things according to developers, but they're they're doing this for users. So they they have a they have a right to do this. Absolutely. And there's a couple of other interesting things in Firefox coming up. I like the CSS min, max, and clamp. So you can uh, you can say, for example, if my viewport is less than this, my H1 can't go less than 3Ms. If my viewport is wider than this, I want my H1 to be 5Ms. And if it's in between, I want it to be 4VH. It allows for a lot more uh, a lot more of a terse syntax and a lot more understandability i think it's uh, it's a good thing it's not going to change the world but it makes our life just a little bit easier not only that i think there was a trend for developers to use viewport units just uh, as they as they are like a font size like 5vw Mm-hmm. And it would break the zooming. It would break, it would make text unreadable uh, at uh, narrow viewports. So we should uh, either use uh, calc to combine uh, viewport units with uh, RAMs or pixels or whatever you prefer, mm-hmm. or in this case, use this clamp function to make minimum and maximum values and some, something flexible between them. Again, yeah, working for the user. Coming up next is a very interesting collaboration between our chums at Microsoft and our chums at Chrome. I first saw this in a video called HTML Isn't Done, and it's uh, a collaboration between Greg Whitworth, who works on the Microsoft Edge team, and Nicole Sullivan, who's a PM at uh, Google for Chrome. And it's a video from the Chrome Dev Summit 2019. This is important of itself because it shows that um, Microsoft is heavily invested in improving Chromium now that it's using it for um, the the new Edge browser. They're not just taking Chrome and skinning it. They are doing a lot of work in Chrome like we were in, in Opera when we initially moved. So Greg and Nicole have done a lot of work on looking at forms in in HTML and specifically forms in Chromium, looking at the accessibility of them. And the Microsoft team have made a lot of commits to make the accessibility of the forms better, giving them the right ARIA information, etc. They've also revamped them because they the Default forms in Chrome were not only uh, but ugly, but they were but ugly in different ways. It didn't look like they had a style guide so much as uh, a sort of whirlwind had gone through, and there was different forms from you know the late nineties through to the early twenty tens. So now they're all looking a bit nicer. Although somebody told me that data list seems to have been forgotten about, but I'm sure they'll sort that out. But the most interesting thing for me here was that Greg and Nicole have been looking at what it is about form controls that are the pain points for developers. Because we've all seen sites where 
They don't use real buttons. They're using nested divs, or they're basically making a select control out of nested divs and spans rather than using the default. And primarily, the reasons that developers do that is because the styleability of forms is so limited. So Microsoft and Google have been looking at ways to address that, uh, how to have arbitrary HTML inside select. So that, for example, you can have things like an icon inside an option rather than just text and looking at the styleability and the extensibility of the default date picker, file upload picker, radio and checkbox. And that should allow us to style those things better, to extend them better so that hopefully people will stop using divs and go back to their native semantics because the native semantics give us so much for free in terms of uh, keyboard accessibility, uh, default behaviors, etc. I'm not sure. I used to I used to think that browsers gave up on uh, form styling, and there's there's no way we can we can solve this problem by just enhancing existing uh, form controls or allowing developers to go deeper into shadow DOM of these controls. They consist of something inside, but it's too complicated. It's not backward compatible enough. Uh, they need to come up with a single solution for every browser. Looking at this talk, looking at, at what they do together, I start to think that it might be possible. I used to think that there's another way to solve this problem. There is a way to introduce some other form elements, uh, some custom ones, probably based on custom elements and web components. So they would they would have all those modern things that you can use to style web components. Uh, like slots and uh, um, part and theme, isn't it? Or it was called that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think theme, theme, or something like this. Yeah. So I thought that we're gonna go this way. And also, I've been following updates from Chrome, and they introduced uh, some new uh, e- events and some new APIs to form submission. Mm-hmm. Basically, so so you would be able to serialize the form and gather the data even from custom elements, not just from inputs and and uh, other uh, built-in uh, form elements. I believe currently there is a way to make something built of custom elements and web components to be submitted as uh, as a form. So I thought that was the way to go for browsers. So maybe the direction is changing or those things could, could coexist. Maybe the idea is to go hand in hand, you know, give us some better default uh, form elements but allow extensibility with custom elements i know they're they're talking about developing a native toggle switch for chrome i mean yes a checkbox is an on off thing but it doesn't have the aria pressed defaults yeah and it doesn't it doesn't look like a toggle switch and it also conveys a different semantics even for visual users mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and and I know they're also looking at virtual list, aka virtual scroller, also aka UI table view, which is you know the big list you can scroll through. I'm not exactly sure, but I think they decided to give up on this as well. So they uh, those what? well some of them that's for sure this this toast element and some others mm-hmm. they definitely decided to stop developing uh, in this direction we'll see but i like i like the way that they're going or i like the thought process of 
you know, extending and allowing us to do this so that your select will still work in IE6, but in a modern browser, you can have an icon in your options. And I like the fact that Microsoft and Google are collaborating seemingly very harmoniously on Edge and on Chromium, because I think that is going to be better for us all. Uh, I think I wrote a a blog post on how to style a checkbox into a toggle button. It wasn't accessible. Yeah, really, uh, it wasn't. uh, But I wrote it like five years ago or something like this. So it's not impossible to do. And it's uh, there are there are ways to do this using uh, some array roles and uh, sometimes even without JavaScript you can achieve uh, some good results. And even for op- uh, select an option, yeah, there, there there is a way to style it before it drops down. It's not a big deal. But uh, as for other uh, elements, uh, UI elements uh, that we use daily in our web interfaces, that's another question. Do we want uh, them to be implemented in HTML and natively in browsers as well? or we can we happy to build them every time from scratch i don't know that's uh, the question isn't it tabs and accordions and that kind of thing yeah remember remember dialogue element it's still floating somewhere but not mm-hmm. dead or alive it's like implemented only in chrome but it's basically unusable from accessibility perspective i think that's an example of browser engineers not getting accessibility specialists involved early enough I think Scott O'Hara has a has an article on why the dialogue element as implemented in Chrome doesn't basically help very much, which is a shame. But it's a shame because the dialogue element is an is an excellent idea. Let's just hope it can be implemented correctly and repaired in a way that doesn't break existing implementations of it. Uh, speaking of uh, interface patterns that are not currently presented in, in the web platform. Uh, while building our um, F4 website, I used this pattern called tabs. It's a list of panels. All of them are hidden, but the current one. So I put show notes in the first panel and tra- transcript in another one. So if you have different needs or different interests, you can choose whatever you want to you wanna read because transcript is, is long enough. We were talking for like 40 minutes there. And uh, I thought, I want to do this in an accessible way. So I went to this Vi Aria spec called uh, Vi Aria Authoring Practices. So it's basically a collection of uh, different uh, UI uh, patterns like links, menu buttons, sliders, tabs, toolbars, and window splitters, and alerts, buttons, breadcrumbs. So not all of them. I think it's still lacking some of them, but most of them could be uh, freely used by anyone who who wishes to implement accessible solution. So basically, it's a list of uh, UI patterns that you can copy. It's It consists of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript ready to be implemented on your website. And most of them are based not on class names, so you so you could implement your own styling. And they usually use uh, array attributes in CSS selectors and JavaScript query selector calls. So there, there are pretty much drop-in solutions. So you can basically include JavaScript, you can adjust your HTML bits, and you're, you're good to go. So I just took these tabs pattern, one of them uh, from from this spec, and I adjusted it a bit, and fa- I found a bug, and I pull requested the fix to the, to, to the GitHub repository, so it works with uh, a strict mode in JavaScript as well. It used to break 
because of some uh, variables uh, in global scope. Anyway, so it, now it works. It's fully keyboard accessible. You can, you can tap current tab and then uh, press the arrow key and press space to activate it, another tab. And also I implemented uh, one trick uh, to this website, one JavaScript polyfill for focus visible pseudoclass. Uh, so there are two scripts uh, behind this website. One of them is tabs.js and the other is focus visible JS. So what focus visible does, it hides uh, the focus ring from users that are using uh, the mouse to interact with website. But once you st start tabbing through interface, you get custom blue outlines that are clear enough to understand. They, they appear only when you need it. And this uh, pseudoclass is not currently implemented in any browser, as far as I know. It's in the spec and there is a good polyfill for this. And it's pretty reliable as, as far as I know. And uh, yeah, try to use our website using mouse and then try to switch to, to tab and shift tab for navigating it. I think you'll be, you'll be surprised to see it. It works in a bit different way, but every time it's, it's good and accessible. And uh, yeah, a, a plus one for the why are your authoring practices spec. I've pointed many teams at that when I've been consulting for them and saying, just just copy that implementation because not only is it keyboard accessible, but it's keyboard accessible in the way that a user who needs it would expect it to work. You're not having to learn how people use the keyboard or use their assistive technologies, just copy and paste it. It's from the W3C. So it's, uh, it's open. Talking of open, gaps are open, and there are gaps in Safari release notes. Do you see what I did there, Vadim? Another, another brilliant segue. Thank you. I'm going to have to lie down after this. Tell us about the Safari release notes, because I don't read them, because I don't use Safari, because it smells. Uh, I feel bad about it, because uh, about this topic, because uh, last time in our first episode, we, we said a lot of bad things about Safari, and now I'm about to say some other bad things about Safari. So, should I go? Yeah, you go, because the uh, Tim Cook's going to listen to this, and he's going to go down to the Safari team and tell them to do better next time. All right. So, there's a Grid layout spec, you know? I've heard of this. Right. And uh, there is a way to to specify rows and columns and spaces between them, called caps. And uh, in original uh, grid specification, uh, there is a property called uh, grid cap. But then it got renamed from grid cap to just cap. So now we have gap, column gap, and row gap which are universal, new universal properties that are uh, supposed to work in every modern browsers instead of old one. I always thought that uh, using uh, those unprefixed uh, properties is not uh, br uh, compatible with some browsers. And I once in a while I would, I would go to can I use and check if it's if it's ready to be uh, used, and uh, I think they implemented it somewhere around uh, somewhere around uh, Chrome sixty one. So it was released in uh, uh, twenty eighteen, and also they implemented it uh, in Edge a while ago, uh, and also in uh, 
in uh, yeah it was implemented in firefox in 61 and uh, in chrome in 66 so like some some time ago and uh, i thought that it's not supported in safari because can i use database used to used to tell that it's not implemented in safari in any version of safari so i thought yeah i want to support safari i don't want uh, safari users to see no gaps between uh, columns and rows and i thought i'm not going to do this out of prefixing thing that that would fix those i i'm, I'm going to use the old version of this property and uh, speaking of old version uh, it's it's supposed to work forever since since it's been around uh, in the initial version of the spec and it was implemented in browser so for backward compatibility it's supposed to it's supposed to stay and, uh, and what was the reason for for them to remove this uh, grid prefix because uh, currently in firefox it's possible to use this uh, gap property on flexbox as well and it's implemented only in Firefox. I think implementation to Chrome and uh, Safari is coming as well. So let's hope it, it will come soon because it's super useful uh, to have this in Flex uh, Flexbox as well. And what was the problem with uh, Safari? That actually information in Can I Use Database wasn't correct. I figured out with uh, Shimavita's help that they implemented in uh, 2018 somewhere in Safari 11 or 12. And somewhere in between, it's the most accurate accurate way to 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 descri describe it because I have no idea when they implemented it. I went through all of those re release notes they they used to publish. I went through all Safari technical previews looking for create gap property mentioned there. There is nothing. They silently supported this property without letting uh, developers know. And uh, by looking at can I use and uh, Actually, it's based on MDN database. I was I was thinking that yeah, it's not supported, and uh, what can I do? I'll, I'm 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 gonna keep using the the old version of this property. So I was relieved on one hand, on the other, I was disappointed that they again let me down. Tim Cook, Vadim is feeling let down. I'm just gonna give you a moment, Vadim, because I know you can't see listeners, but he's sobbing gently. Before we end today's show, we'd like to draw your attention to a couple of cool uh, community resources. There's a new book by Jens Myatt. Tell us about that, Vadim, after you've blown your nose. Okay, I'm back. Um, <clears throat> so Jens Myatt published a book that consists of around 2,000 words, words that we as web developers use every day and words that might not be clear to everyone. Uh, I'm not talking about your grandparents, but I'm talking about your colleagues. Sometimes they're just beginners. Sometimes they're, they have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, sometimes you, you want to look up if you're using this term properly. So there is a, there is a book uh, with uh, with very clear explanation of each word, with cross references between, like it's like proper dictionary, and uh, I really I really recommend this thing. Uh, it it costs only five bucks, but you can pay ten if you if you're great grateful to Yen. I paid ten, so you can do the same. It's uh, available in PDF, EPUB, or Mobi something. It's probably for for Kindle. 
I really, really recommend this one. And also it's sort of open sourced because there is a GitHub repository called Web Development Glossary Forum, which Jens is using to collect the ideas for this for this uh, dictionary. So you ha- if you go through this dictionary and you wouldn't find, well, it's, he called it glossary. And what's, what's the difference uh, between glossary and dictionary? Tell us, uh, teacher Bruce. Um, uh, uh, they're they're different because one begins with a G, and one begins with a D. Uh, I think glossary defines terms, and dictionary defines words. I don't know. I'm making it up, but uh, <laughs> it is really good. And when Vadim said it's two thousand words, it doesn't mean that the book is only two thousand words long. There are yeah, two thousand yeah, yeah. different terms defined yes. in there. Uh, it's astonishing to me that our industry has 2,000 uh, <laughs> jargon lumps, as I like to call them, but it does. I mean, FOUC, F-O-U-C, I know what it means, but I can perfectly understand that somebody who's maybe new to CSS. Okay, Bruce, let's let's play a game. Uh, what is FMP? FMP? <laughs> I don't know, Vadim, what is it? First Meaningful Paint. It's a performance. Oh, yeah, that's one of those performance things that, that confuse the life out of me. There's always a new one, like first insightful comment. Uh, most websites, there's never one of those. <laughs> uh, first meaningful trouser press. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> but it, so, really, yeah, it's, 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 it's full of such words. Uh, you can read what ECMA means, like ECMAScript. I had no idea. What is ECMA? European Computer Manufacturers Association or something. You knew that? <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, th- something Whoa, like this. Oh, you see, you can keep your, fir- your first meaningful pain. <laughs> So that's that's Jens Myatt's, uh The Web Development Glossary, highly recommended. And uh, the last community resource that I want to bring your attention to is a nice little site. I can't remember where I found it, but it's um, accessibility for UX designers. It doesn't go into loads of technical detail. It just tells you know people who are designing a site, maybe before uh, a developer has even been engaged or or told about it, just telling you the the things that you need to take into account of so hopefully by the time you give your your sketch uh your sketch prototype over to developer you're not going to uh, have any fights with that developer who will say that i can't possibly implement this nice simple clear site by a dutch web consultancy accessibility consultancy called frozen rockets about whom i know nothing but uh it's a really cool little site so take a look at that in the show notes. And also they they mentioned a number of books uh, they recommend for reading further. And I can definitely recommend two of them because I've read them. It's Inclusive Components by Hedden Pickering and Forum Design Patterns by Adam Silver, both published by Smashing Magazine. And those you can, you can buy those in uh, EPUB or hard copy as well. So read this, give it to your designer, and uh, you can also read those books because those are written both for developers and designers. And oddly enough, I didn't know this, but uh, I wrote a big article on accessibility and I recommended those two books. The Adam Silver book is particularly excellent because you can just take take the code and go. 
some of the incredibly sophisticated forms that he has implemented with all the aria with all the keyboard accessibility you can just take it and go it will save you many many hours of work talking of adam silver i see that the night is falling the silvery moon is appearing above the horizon the stars are twinkling and so it's time gentle listeners for us to say goodbye until next time on the f word it's afternoon he's lying uh, see you next time bye <laughs> ruin my segue there